Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name's Jamie, and everybody thinks they want freedom, but what they really want is order. My name's Matt, and it's not my fault. It's not my fault! <laughs> Alright, so, Matt, any uh, what's new in the Star Wars uh, universe for you? I'm still finishing up the last Thrawn book. It's the second Thrawn book in the second trilogy of Thrawn books sort of powering through that right now that's a i like it because it's a throne book but it's a very strange book i almost need like a family tree to be staring at the entire time i'm reading it just so i understand who the hell is who and who's stabbing who in the back and what the heck is going on but it's a very complicated chiss yeah aristocracy well, plot well because they all have similar names it's like um lord of the rings where like i just get super um confused and not everybody is like because they're all from the same family, so they all, their names all start the same. So it's hard to keep track of. But luckily, um, I think it's Mark Thompson. He's the uh, the audio uh, the audiobook narrator. He does a pretty good job. He does a great job, and I, I like I said, I really enjoy the book. And then other than that, I uh, I should probably mention that I started my R two D two one to one droid build, and we've talked about this a lot. But I'm building a replica droid of R two D two. That is awesome. Yeah, it's much better than what I'm doing. I'm just I finished the Thrawn book. I really enjoyed it. I love this as a spin-off because now they could just do anything just related and it, I'd consume it. This is kind of like Deep Space 9 to Next Generation. It's related but not really. And you know, every now and then they drop a few things to kind of remind you that it still is Star Wars. I think it's great. I'm Really uh, looking forward to the third one, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing uh, Thrawn in the Ahsoka series. I think the third one comes out later this year too. They're they're really pushing it out fast, and so I'm I'm happy about that. And I think I think the Deep Space Nine analogy is perfect because this is I often say Star Wars is a story about good and evil with all this third rail stuff happening, like all the the crime, the smugglers and bounty hunters. But this just stuff is so outside of even that. They could keep they could do anything they want out there. They keep introducing new species and they they're like stuck in the chaos and they're all fighting for technology of how to navigate it it's really great i, I love it and i want it to keep going forever yeah i uh, i agree I, I will be you know i'll be uh, consuming pretty much any chiss ascendancy stuff that they uh, put out all right uh, shall we get to it all right so we're still on our bad batch review kick and today is may 7th 2000. 21, and that is the air date of the second episode of season one of Bad Batch, entitled Cut and Run. It was directed by Stuart Lee, who has a ton of Star Wars cartoon directing credits. He was a director on a couple dozen Clone Wars episodes. He did a bunch of Rebels, and he did about half of maybe a third of Resistance as well. And the writing credit is Gersimran Sandu, and I honestly couldn't find anything else he had written. Um, for Star Wars, but maybe his Wikipedia page is just really out of date. Um, but I think, spoiler alert, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I say I, I did too. You know, without giving too much away before uh, getting into it, you know, it was definitely uh, you know we're kind of in the uh, area of like filler episodes, but it's not like a like a just a like a, ugh, a little something for a filler episode. There was a lot of uh, interesting Star Wars sort of stuff going on. I was on Twitter earlier today on our Star Wars account. 
um, at Yubcast and just looking at what people's reactions were. And somebody described the plot of this as the Clone Wars stop, or the Bad Batch stop someplace to pick up some gas. We hit the nail on the head. This is the A team. I'll, I'll start. I'll get into it now. But they they show like the you know the, the Bad Batch, and there's really nothing you know like the Clone Wars had kind of like the, the kind of the propaganda narrator talking about the war. This was just straight into it. But they played like a military style drum beat. So that, that just made me think A team. Yeah, I think I think you, your your prediction is really coming true. If this is the A team. Do you want to get into the review? And like I said, you know it it opened up without a really much of any kind of intro is just the Bad Batch. It starts with they're in uh, hyperspace, and they're all just, you know, kind of hanging out. Um, Omega and Wrecker are fast asleep. Apparently they've been playing and, like, uh, exploring the ship. They reach um, the planet of Seleucami. They put down uh, into a field, and they get out, and Omega is amazed because she's never... First off, she's never really seen the sun, so it's Kind of like when um, uh, you know Neo like has a t- tough time seeing because he's never actually used his eyes before. She's never actually seen the sun and something so bright. And then she sees the dirt and she's amazed by the dirt. And the rest of the Bad Batch is like, "Yeah, it's it's dirt. What are you gonna do?" I don't like sand. It's coarse, rough, and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Oh, that yeah, that that it does, Anakin. That it does. That's why I don't like the beach. Well, I just thought it was funny because she, it sort of, she was sort of like those viral videos you see every once in a while where you see like a baby seal learning how to swim for the first time. Baby seal is raised in captivity, gets put in water for the first time, and it just is like really cautious. And then 20 seconds later, it's like doing flips and stuff. That was sort of her, right? She had never walked on the ground before. Makes me think the Camino is a real shithole. Yeah. Right? She'd never never seen the sun, had never didn't know what dirt was, and she's like, oh, it's dirt. And the text like, it's called dirt, and she's like, I love it. Yeah, and she's like, okay, like this this girl is beyond sheltered, right? Yeah, so they um they head out. Uh, there's a thunderstorm brewing, so they they get to moving, and uh, you know, Echo uh, he wants to know what's going on, and they tell them they're heading to see a friend, uh, a clone who deserted. Echo's a little bit, uh, can we trust him? And it's like, well, we're deserters too, so we have to. They come across a booby trap that Wrecker uh, inadvertently sets off, and they introduced Cut Lequane and Sue Lequane. Sue is uh, a Twi'lek, and Cut is, as you predicted, the clone they were going to go see. He was, he's a clone deserter who just decided he had enough and is going to start his own family. Now everyone meets up in the house. Uh, there's, you know, they introduce Echo and Omega. And uh, they start talking about like what happens uh, with the uh, the clones in the Empire. Apparently, Rex had been there the day before, uh, letting Cut know about the inhibitor chips, and Omega seemed to know all about it. And everybody seems confused, but Tech Tech was like, "Well, how else did you think they were going to do it?" This is where I owe you an apology because. Earlier this week when we recorded the first episode, you corrected me and said that Tech never mentioned the chip. And in this episode, they say he never mentioned the chip. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he did. And I went back and looked, and he, did, and he didn't. Yeah. And so you were right. You were right, and I was wrong. And But I think it was heavily implied, and I think Tech thought he was implying it, that there was a chip that was programmable. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I I had uh, before I found out about the chip in the Clone Wars, I I I thought that they had just you know like brainwashed them into like a, some sort of like trigger word, you know, kind of like a uh, mentoring candidate sort of thing. So like 
And secondly, here, Order 66, you know, they go straight into Jedi killing mode. In instead of brainwashing, it was the chip. But anyways, regardless, eventually the uh, the Laquane kids show up, uh, Jack and Shaiya. Now, they are Twi'lek. So are they half human, half Twi'lek? Or is, like, Cut just their stepfather? It was clarified um, by one of the Twitter accounts. Not, not Pablo's, but probably... Probably Filoni or one of the others, Holocron Keeper maybe, that these are stepchildren okay. of Cuts. So these are these are her children, but Cut adopted them. Yeah, I was going to say that that's pro- I was thinking that might be the case because later when they, they come running, they come running to her, not to him, when there's when there's a danger. And But they, they're, they're kind of patchy. Uh, the skin's kind of patchy, so I didn't know if they were, if they were um, half Twi'lek, half human and that was kind of their way of showing that they're not quite Twi'lek is that their skin colors are kind of different. It looks like one has like uh, the Twi'lek version of Vitiligo. Vitiligo? Vitiligo, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I do know that I, I do and I confirmed this before we recorded that these are his stepchildren. I didn't really notice the patchiness of their skin but I think I think that's just a, a style choice by them and not telegraphing their genetic background. There, You know there's, there's a lot of things in Star Wars you just got to be like okay. All right, so they uh, the kids take uh, Omega out to play ball. Omega has never actually played ball before, so you know they're catching in. They throw it at her, and she gets out, just gets out of the way. She's like, "What? What are you doing?" It's like you, you know, catch. It's for fun. Hunter and Hunter and Cut are kind of watching them, and you know, Cut asks, you know, he asks, "Why do they have her?" Hunter says, "Like, well, she's a she's a defective clone like us." It's like, yeah, I don't know. She's they the Caminos don't do anything just because you know she definitely has a purpose so it kind of goes back to what we were saying before that there there is something more to her than just uh they just decide to make a female version of Django Fett for shits and giggles he's got a he's got a good point right like mm-hmm. they they are designers right they're craftspeople they made they made her for a reason and that is the big mystery of this series is who is Omega and why is Omega? <laughs> when? When? How is Omega? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there that she can somehow disable the inhibitor chips. That she's an insurance policy because they didn't know what was going to happen after Order sixty six happened, and they didn't want their products to turn against them. Well, she didn't do a very good job deprogramming Crosshair then. Yeah, but maybe she didn't know. Sure, maybe she maybe she hasn't revealed that talent yet. Yeah. All right. right. Okay. It's possible. All right. We'll talk about shitty Omega theories at the end, I think, because there's a bunch of Omega theories going around the internet right now. Oh yeah, yeah. We've yeah. We'll, okay. So, Cut gets a little preachy about what it is to be a parent because Hunter is, you know, he's not. He's a soldier. He's never had to deal with this sort of thing before. And then uh, he tells Hunter that you know that they want to get off world. It's you know it's getting too hot there. Hunter offers to take them with him, but Cut says like, "Hey, you guys are wanted men. I can't be any part of that. You know, we'll we'll take our chances on our own." I do want to state that if they would have just gotten on the damn ship, they could have gotten off planet very easily. And I get the reluctance to go deeper down the criminal hole with the Bad Batch, but come on. Like, the whole episode, everything that happens from this point forward is because 
cut won't get on that ship with them. They could have gone anywhere. They could have gone to a world that there wasn't the Empire's presence. But, yeah, but then it would have been like super short. Yeah, but but okay. Like I yeah, you need a you need a conflict for a plot, but this mission seemed really poorly justified to me. But we we have to enjoy the plot that we're given, but Yeah, if Anakin if Anakin would have just believed Padme that Obi-Wan wasn't, you know, was there to help him, he could have like calmed down, maybe come back to the light and then that would have been the end of the movie and the end of the series. But good stories and whatnot uh don't happen because people do the rational, smart things. People run upstairs when the killer is chasing them in horror movies. They don't uh, run to their car, get in, and drive away. Point, point taken. I'll stop complaining. So, both of them walk into town. That's Cut and Hunter to, uh, to get a tra- uh, transport. The town is full of clones. Apparently vehicles are being locked down, and now the uh, uh, Empire is handing out chain codes. So now, if anybody wants to travel anywhere... They have to have these chain codes, which is very timely given, you know, all the stuff with voter IDs going on, whether people need to have IDs. I thought the chain code thing is kind of cool because it makes me think of blockchain a little bit. But chain code has kind of been a... I had the exact same thought. I, I thought the first time I watched it, I was like, are they talking about blockchain? Because if, but if it, because if it was that sort of thing, there's no way they could fake it. But anyway... <laughs> Supposedly, but I don't but see the. Block, but the the chain code is a callback to Mandalorian. That's the first time we ever heard. Right. The term chain code is in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's nice continuity there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're you know they they see a big hologram of some stiff imperial officer and saying that the the empire is being generous, you know, giving everybody chain codes and whatnot. And this is you know the first steps of the empire being super oppressive. And the and the, you know the clones are being dicks to random citizens. Uh, I did notice that uh, they they've already switched over to the six spoked uh, imperial symbol away from the um, the symbol of the republic already. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. So it, you know it's uh it's moving fast. So it just makes me think how many people actually knew because they had to have all this stuff just happen within days, weeks. Logistically, that's a lot of work. They cut back to the car and the kids are playing ball. Omega accidentally throws the ball uh, outside of the, their fence. The Twilight kids are like, no, don't worry about it. We'll get it uh, We'll get it later. It's past the fence. We can't get it. You know, Omega decides that she's going to uh, get it because she doesn't know any better. And well, what happens when she comes out to get the ball? There's a Nexu. Now, the Nexu, if you remember correctly, is they're one of the animals in, in, you know, on Geonosis uh, in episode two the the twilight kids are like they see her they're like don't move and they run get their mom and they all come out she's a sharpshooter she shoots at it and hunter runs out and attacks it eventually runs away but hunter is pretty brash with her you know yells at her and cuts this kind of like that's not you can't do that you know everybody's okay she's okay everybody's okay she's just a kid just kind of just kind of showing that hunter doesn't really know what he's doing you know he's used to dealing with soldiers they really play up Hunter's incompetent parenting in this episode. I like how Cut is constantly high-roading him. <laughs> and, Su- and Sue, too. They're just constantly like, like kids get into trouble. That's what kids do. Yeah. Raise- raising a kid. There's no job more rewarding or harder than raising a kid. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's like it's like the stay-at-home parent is the hardest job on the planet sort of talk. Any one of our listeners who is a parent either is that type of parent is married to that type of parent or at least knows somebody like that or you're just like shut up yeah congratulations 
We're both parents of two kids. Your kids are a little bit older than mine, but not by much. I definitely know this parent. Yeah. The parent who's always, like, second-guessing your decision right in front of your kid. Back in the hut, Hunter uh, tells Tech that they're going to have to uh, forge the chain codes to get the, the Queen clan off the planet. Omega hides in the ship because she's uh, she's just upset. She starts to cry, and she takes off that Kamino uh, jewelry, that little headpiece that she's wearing, which makes me wonder if there's something significant about that. Cut and Sue high-road Hunter a little bit more, and Hunter decides, like, you know, like, hey, can you take her... You can give her the life that we can't. She deserves to have a, a good life. She, he rightfully is like, thinks that like, she'll have a miserable, possibly short life if she is with us. And they agree. And that is to part two, which is you. Yeah, before we transition to the second half of the episode, I do want to ask you if you had to t- fight one of the beasts from Attack of the Clones, which would it be? So there's Ackley, which is the big praying mantis guy. The Nexu, which is the cat thing that attacks Omega in this episode. And then the Reek, that's sort of like the dinosaur bull thing. Uh, I would go with the Reek, because the the others just seem nimble and super freaky. The other thing just seems like if you can just... It's like a big rhino or a hippo, if you can just stay out of its way. It doesn't have, like, the ability to, like, grab... Yeah, I think that's probably... I was sort of waffling between the Acklay and the Reek. I think the Acklay would probably have a lot of weak spots to it. But the Reek, you're right, doesn't really have anything other than its horn and its size. And it's, it would be like a juggernaut, so it wants to start going... Yeah. Pretty much going in that direction. So you, it wouldn't be able to turn fast or anything. I do think Nexu's the most terrifying out yeah. of all of them. Yeah, if you've ever owned a cat... And try to like grab it from doing something cats can bend like I, it's amazing how that they can how they can bend i i was helping a my friend uh his wife ran a uh, a shelter for feral cats and one of them got out and i grabbed it by the scruff where you can normally just grab a cat and it just bent around i'll just and clawed and bit up my arm and hand and it's like ah it's just it's and then put that like in a huge beast that could just uh you know shred you ugh scary. Also, Sue shot it at least twice, probably three times. Yeah, and Hunter slashed it. Hunter stabbed it in the face, (laughs) and it just ran away. That's terrifying to me. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, you guys suck. I'm out of here. Tech and Echo need to steal materials to make the chain code, so they formulate a plan, or Tech does, to get their ship impounded so they can Trojan horse their way into the facility, the uh, Imperial facility. They do this plan without running it by Hunter, um, so they do not know that Omega's on the ship when this happens. So it turns out Tech, Echo, and Omega are inside the ship when it gets impounded. This plan makes me very excited for this show. Because this plan is batshit crazy. Yeah. And and Tech is just like, yeah, this will work. Of course, this is a, this is a super easy way to get there. We just turned ourselves over to the authorities and they arrested us, right? That's mm-hmm. dumb of them. Yeah. It's just so crazy, it just might work. That's... It's like every TV show. They they end up getting towed and put in the impound lot and clamped down. There's one of those magnetic locks we saw in Rebels. Mm-hmm. When Leia was trying to get the Rebels to steal those ships. Um, same same idea. The clones say that the ship looks like an o- modified Omega-class attack shuttle, which I thought was sort of a fun piece of trivia. Tech and Echo run their op to steal the blank vaccine cards. I mean the blank chain code cards. Yeah. <laughs> 
and a little handheld programmer. They break into like this little sentry station we saw earlier where people were getting chain codes. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't notice that he grabbed the programmer. I, I watched it twice and he grabbed the little programming tablet the second time because that would be totally my luck that I would grab the, the chain code <laughs> things, you know, get back to the ship and then like tech is like, I, I need the thing to program it and it's like, fuck! And, you know, run back out and like, no, 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 not that one. Uh, so the other cool thing about that scene is is they need five, and he takes like a box. Yeah. There's like thirty in the box. Mm-hmm. That's also that's also good operational security, right? Because you're gonna mess it up, right? You got yeah. extras now. So they get the cards and they get the programmer. Everyone everyone comes to town. So Hunter is bringing bringing Laquains to town because the shuttle leaves in an hour and they need these codes. Um, he calls Echo and Tech and says, where are these chain codes? And they say, they'll be there in a second. But there are more and more clones showing up to the impound lot. And so it's just not going to be easy to sneak by. Tech and Echo are arguing what to do when, of course, Omega just takes the chain codes and leaves while they're arguing. They don't even notice. Yeah, my kids totally would not have done that. They'd just be still be sitting there, just like looking at me, like, "What? What are we gonna do?" Or they'd just be playing on their like DS or something. It's like, "I, oh, you actually wanted me to take the initiative and do something." So this is just, uh, I find it hilarious that you know the, the kid would just be like, know exactly what to do. It's almost cliche, right? Where, mm-hmm. where you look away and the kid is gone. This is the second time in the episode she's done this too. First time being the uh, the Nexu attack, right? The two kids turn around. And they're like, "Where's Where's Omega?" And she's like, "She was right here, right?" And now Tech and Echo are doing it again. Where's Omega? Oh, but Tech sees her outside, but she can't get past the guards either. But she has the chain code, so he calls Tech calls Hunter and says that she's got him. Record leaves to go find Omega because I really like Record in this episode because he's like the biggest kid. Mm-hmm. He plays with Omega, he plays with the Laquane kids, but Wrecker goes to find Omega. Echo try, goes outside to try to release the boot on the ship, but he can't. It's not going well for him, and he's quickly noticed, and so they have to start shooting and stunning the clones. During this bustle, the, the group of clones that were standing near the gate of the impound lot all come into the impound lot to figure out who's shooting the there's a radio signal that says a civilian got a blaster into the impound lot and so all the clones are pouring in but they're not really paying attention to a small person trying to leave so she omega tries to sneak out but she runs into an astromech who starts this almost klaxon like noise where it's like Uh, i saw more of his like it was freaking out like, you knew somebody wasn't supposed to be there, and, like, R2 would just be like, ah, you know, but in droid. That was my... Yeah. I I had both of those impressions on different viewings. I thought once he was just, like, like he was having a conniption fit, like he was surprised or shocked. And the other time I thought he was being an alarm. But mm-hmm. same effect. Um, but Wrecker shows up and smashes the droid. He punches him in the dome, and he falls over. So Wrecker's there. He tells Omega to head to the dock. He's going to help Echo and Tech escape from the clones. So Wrecker doesn't do much here. right? He's supposed to go get Omega, but he just knocks this droid out and says, go to the dock. So now there's a fight in this 
little impound lot or port, and all the clones are being called to the port. Omega finds Laquane and Hunter in line and gives them the chain codes. Omega is surprised that there were five instead of four because Hunter made this decision about Omega's life without talking to Omega. And there's this little scene where Hunter tells her that he's going to go, that she's going to go live with these strangers that she met this morning so she can have a regular life and a family. But versus, of course she's a child. What's that? Versus the strangers she only met a, you know, a few more days ago. This is, this is a bad play by him, right? He's not... He's not allowing her any agency in this decision, right? And didn't discuss it with her at all, right? Like, there's definitely times as a parent where you say, like, no, this is what's going to happen. But you typically tell them that this is what's going to happen. You don't just do it. And so she's shocked and upset. She, of course, interprets this, that she's disappointed Hunter or the Bad Batch in some way. And this is her punishment for her earlier naive behavior. She does get in line with the Laquains, though, with the Forge Chains codes, and those codes pass. They work, and so they move toward boarding the shuttle. We bounce back to the firefight at the port, the impound lot, and it's going relatively poorly for the clones. Um, Bad Batch is just needling the clones and handling them pretty easily. There doesn't appear to like they're in any danger, even though there's a lot more of them. Hunter shows up, shows up to the impound lot to help out and leave the ship. The firefight continues. Echo still can't get the ship released, so Wrecker just smashes the boot. He just rips it apart. As they board the ship, Wrecker says we should wait for Omega because Hunter hasn't apparently told has apparently not told Wrecker this plan either, and he basically says she's gone. We have to go, and then. Omega shows up. She starts running back into the impound lot, and she's grabbed by a clone that's been knocked down by probably a crate that Wrecker threw at him or something. Hunter runs over and rescues her. Cut gets on the shuttle to head out. Cut and the Quang clan gets on the shuttle to head off planet. Clone recognizes him as a clone, recognizes him as something he was getting there, but that clone is called away to deal with the shooting at the impound lot. Bad Batch get on their modified Omega attack shuttle. They fly away. Omega says she's sorry she got in trouble, but wants to stay with them. Hunter says, if this is where you want to be, this is where you'll stay. So, we got to consent in the end. Right. You know, uh, one thing I noticed, and I don't know if they'll deal with this, but, you know, Cut, Cut made a big deal about wearing a hat and kind of always tilting his head. He couldn't just be recognized. Then Hunter's just walking out with uh, a bandana with his unit symbol on and a full, like, skull, like, half-skull face tattoo. It just seems like, are you, I mean, granted, Mr. T was in the A-team and he dressed the way he did. Nobody dresses like that, so you could just like, be on the lookout for a guy who looks like this. It just seems that, like, if you, if you want to hide out, you might want to, you know, get rid of the face tattoo or wear a hat. I definitely thought it was highly silly especially given the notoriety of the unit, um, for them to walk into town without any real disguise. They all... And so Cut shares a regular clone's body and face, and Hunter still looks a lot like a clone, and he has all the insignia still there, and you're right. Like, he doesn't really disguise himself. You think someone would say, like, like are you Clone Force 99? And also, wouldn't there be an APB out for them at this point? Yeah. Be aware of, at least? Mm-hmm. And this is the new empire, too. And so 
maybe they're spooling all of this up, but like you said, they're they seem to be moving pretty fast with their fascism. So, but at the same time, you know, the rebels took a gold C-3PO into the jungle to infiltrate a imperial base. So, uh, can't can't do too much, uh, you know, thinking about it or else to just go mad. So overall, what you think? You said you liked it, but I guess you know, what did you like about it? I was just thinking, like, so Cut Laquane is a deserter. And he's one of maybe two deserters that we know about from the Clone Wars era. The other one being that, I guess he wasn't exactly a deserter, but the, the guy on the planet where the droid squad went to, who was like a dishwasher and a greasy greasy spoon. Gregor? He had like, yeah, Gregor. He had amnesia mm-hmm. or whatever. He was also sort of a deserter, but he sort of redeemed himself. But do you think, do you think that there was just like a like a normal distribution of clone behaviors that came out of the thing and, and like a very low percentage of them defected. Because if if even like 0.01% of them defected, there were millions of them. That would be thousands of people. Are there thousands of defective clones, that, or not defective, but deserter clones out there? It's possible. It just depends upon like who their commanders were. They could have just been killed or reprogrammed. You know, like um, Cut was let go. But you know, th- there could have been like, stricter commanders who would have, you know, they would have either killed the deserter or shipped him back to Kamino. It does make me think like, we see clones in different positions. Like, some of them are, like, on bridges. Like, in Order 66, where Ahsoka was fighting, there was a whole pit of just clones that had, like, officer uniforms on them. And so are there smarter clones? Are there stupider clones? Oh, is, it, is, is everything just on this continuous cur- like, Gaussian curve of behavior? Like, is that how some of them were probably programmed to be officers versus uh, just regular grunts. But you know, they're they're all they all had the base programming, but some of them were giving given a little bit more uh, leeway and freedom and uh, like and other things to help you know foster leadership. Because I mean, you look at like somebody like Cody and, and even like Rex, they're like they're pretty high ranked at the start of the before the Clone Wars even start. They're pretty high up there. So maybe they were programmed to be better or were seen to be exceptional in their training and were put on a different track. Like they were put into ROTC as as clonelings and and not just... OCS. Fodder. Yeah, OCS. There you go. Uh, yeah. That, you know, that could be that could be it too. That, you know, that they just recognized the ones that would were leadership material. And they, you know, it's kind of like that uh, Rick and Morty episode where they're, Rick and Beth are trying to categorize all the the those like those clay clay uh, people right <laughs> you know like you know like you know some of them are just like no good but you know like well these guys would probably be you know these guys would be good as like naval officers these guys would be good you know like um like commandos these guys would be good pilots these you know guys would be good you know officers they would test them where their aptitudes were or they you know like certain batches were just like there would just be a batch and then like x amount we're leaders, you know, X amount are pilots, X amount are just grunts. 60 iterations off the central finite curve, there's a Rick that works more with wood <laughs> than polarity plating. His name is Simple Rick, but he's no dummy. He realized long ago that the greatest thing he'd ever create was his daughter. I love- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's cut. Yeah. <laughs> cut, cut, is, cut is simple clone. Should probably talk about what we thought about this episode, right? Raph, I, I enjoyed it as far as a filler. There's a lot of good stuff uh, in it. 
you know, it's a very interesting time uh, in Star Wars, you know, with uh, the, you know, the transition from the Republic to the Empire post Order 66. You know, I enjoyed it. And for, when it wasn't like a, it wasn't filler with just kind of like, you know, with a little G.I. Joe, uh, knowing it's half the battle sort of thing at the end. There was just, um, you know, there was, um, you know, they just, they just did the story and that was, and that was it. Yeah, I don't. I still don't know how many episodes we're going to get. They say 14 in the first season, which is a lot, right? Mm-hmm. These are about 25-minute episodes, and so that's a that's a big chunk of time. And I don't. This episode isn't super contra- consequential, as far as we know. It does seem like a logical thing for them to do. They're on the run. They don't trust the clones, and so they go find the clone deserter that they know. It was so logical that they missed Rex by a day, which seems sort of insane timing to me, mm-hmm. right? Like Order 66 might have happened like a week ago at this point, right? Or two weeks ago, and they missed Rex by a day, who's also now on the run after scuttling scuttling that Star Destroyer with Ahsoka. Man, I got to watch that episode again. I just love that episode. This seems like a logical thing to do, so I don't necessarily think it's filler from the overall plot but very little happens in this episode other than establishing that omega is going to be with them which we knew because omega gets a bow at some point mm-hmm. we, haven't, we haven't seen things that are in the trailer still but it's important to sort of establish the growth of these characters in relation to one another right so yeah and hunter's just, gonna be a dad it was just uh, you know solidifying their relationship and showing you know that hunter's not perfect and they're and they're very independent because Tech and Echo just kind of just do whatever they want. They don't ask permission, so they're all they're all, they're all uh, individual stuff. It's not like the Hunter and the rest of the Bad Batch show. It's you know all about them. They're all individuals. It's not just Hunter is the interesting one. You know Tech's interesting. You know Wrecker is interesting. Echo is interesting. Even Crosshair is interesting. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think it's it's really an ensemble piece. We see a lot of growth here from the. Omega Hunter relationship, but we learn a lot more about Tech, and even Echo's asking a, a lot of questions in this episode. So he's obviously still getting assimilated into the group, and not not having done that much with them. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of growth in this episode, and I think it's an important episode. I hope we see Cut again, and I assume we'll see Rex because I think we saw him in the trailer. Yeah. So they're going to meet up with Rex eventually. I have no idea where they're going next. We, per- we correctly predicted this episode that they're going to Saluka Mai and to see Cut LeQuain and his family. We have no idea where they're going next except away, but Cut's in the wind, and Rex is in the wind, and Bad Batch is in the wind. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens next. I thought this was a great episode. Yeah. There are a couple, couple of things that I found frustrating. There was some Arabesh or some alien writing on a wall but it turned out not to be arabesh i spent a lot of time trying to translate it i couldn't figure out what language it was either it was sort of um outer rim basic but the characters didn't quite match and it was sort of another star wars language called atrician but it didn't match all the way either mm-hmm. so i had a lot i wasted a lot of time there doing that <laughs> so if you're gonna put if you're gonna put shit on the wall just make it arabesh um so we can all read it yeah just so we can read, you know, like, girls, 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 you know. <laughs> it was going to be something like that. It was like a neon sign in, like, the town. But mm-hmm. I don't know what, what passes for entertainment on Salukamai. But overall, I really liked it. So now I guess we uh, will rate the show. Uh, we'll use our uh, patent-pending Yubcast rating system, which is 
we give the episode a rating of a character. So in, in the case of a really great episode, you could get like one of the major characters, such as Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, uh, Lando, that's so and so on and a really you know bad one would be like the um well i like to say malachi or not malachiki no shoot the guy the the rancor keeper rancor keeper or, yeah. or the guy or the guy who the guy who uh, comforts him after the rancor dies you know somebody who's just like inconsequential so what do you uh what do you uh give the second episode of the bad batch well the first episode i gave it i gave the first episode Clone Wars Obi-Wan, and this one's less consequential, but I still really liked it. So I think I'm going to give it a Kayati Mundi, the Conehead Conehead Jedi Master. Cool. That's a a good one. I'm giving a a Gal Travis, because with all the Empire stuff, it made me feel a little icky. He is the, uh, the senator who supposedly is helping rebels but he's actually just turning them into the Empire. Uh, he was in the first season of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, I remember Fo- that. Voiced by uh, Brent Spiner. Yeah, he was the voice of the Resistance. Mm-hmm. It was just a way to uh, get people to, in the Resistance or in the Rebellion to meet up with him, and then they'd be arrested and killed, probably. Yeah, I like that plot. Good one. That's episode two, and so these the first episode came out on May 4th, and we posted our review on May 5th, and then the second episode came out on May 7th, that's today. So we'll post our review this weekend. Um, from now on, it looks like these episodes are going to come out on Fridays, and so the next one is on May 14th, so we'll watch it on May 14th and record our episode on May 14th and get it out in the next day. Um, so these shows are going to be dropping Saturday, Sunday now instead of, I guess, Wednesday, Thursday. Stay with us. We're, we're keeping at it. All right. Until next time. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. 